0: I'm Chris Stutchko, co-host of the Ninth Grade Experience podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. In the 36 years I was teaching, I had students coming into my 7th grade class who are reading at the 3rd or 4th grade level. And so many of those kids who are reading at that grade level have been struggling all of their elementary careers. So they have this culture of failure now, and they just think school's too hard, it's too boring, and they quit, and they just give up. It's like, I always fail, so why should I try? So what are we supposed to do with these kids at third grade who do not pass? Do we, do we just move them along, or do we hold them back until they improve? To transparency in Teaching with Jennifer, Sharon, and me. And only today, it's just me talking to myself, which is really weird to talk to yourself. I did a test one of these on the Pledge of Allegiance. I don't know if you heard it. Actually, a lot of people listened to it uh, right off the bat. That was kind of exciting. So here I am again, trying this uh, format out one more time. And well, hopefully not one more time. I'd like to do it more than one more time. I'm trying to think of what to call this little segment being that you don't have to think anymore. I went to chat GPT and I asked chat GPT to uh, suggest titles. This is what I typed in. It says, suggest titles using puns for an education podcast about controversial education issues by Anne. And so it came up with 10. Give you, it gives you 10 uh, choices. And I have to say who needs a brain anymore? I mean, for the things that it generated in literally 15 seconds, 10 different titles, all pretty dang funny and clever. I think the one that uh, that Jen put her two cents in on was analysis, like analysis, only my name Anne with a hyphen and then Alice at the end. So for these little segments, they would be called analysis. Analysis, right? Does that make sense, or does that sound bad? I mean, there's other ones too. I could do uh, anecdotes, you know, uh, or answers. I don't know. Anyways, so that's what I'm doing, dealing with, is trying to think of what to call this little thing. So today we're going to call it analysis because that's kind of what I do. I find things that I caught my attention um, somewhere in the news or online or uh, something I read. and it kind of is my take on what I've seen. Um, it's my opinion. This is completely my opinion. So anyway, today what I'm going to talk about is something I read a news, well I guess it's like a newsletter or something. Uh, every I think it's every day it comes to me from the Education Commission of the States. It is a nonpartisan and non-advocacy organization that um, state policymakers will, Uh, talk to them or find out what they have been researching and then they give advice and the research kind of that they've found on that particular issue. And so they put this little uh, newsletter out every day and they call it Ed Clips. And basically you get four or five different topics that are happening currently um, in the news that have to do with education. It's pretty cool. In any case, um, one that caught my attention today was having to do with something that's coming up for a lot of schools right now which is state testing but more towards the focus of retention and specifically using some kind of a test on third graders because as we know third grade is the year when education kind of makes a major shift when the first primary grades there are used to really teach kids how to read and then it shifts over by about fourth grade in using reading to learn. So it's a big time for kids to determine whether or not they're going to make it because if they're not reading well by third grade and they start going into fourth grade into school now where they're not going to get as much reading support as they did, then you're starting to set kids up for failure. Interestingly enough, what the the, news article was that I looked at had to do with Tennessee and some other states like Michigan that are currently debating on dealing with students who are not reading at grade level by third grade. They're talking about retaining these kids because they're not where they should be. But the caveat with this is these are students who were in kindergarten when the pandemic hit. So there are people who say, well, it's not fair to punish these kids because they were during the pandemic by holding them back. So what should we do with them? That's the question that I'm going to talk about today. In Tennessee, the law requires reading proficiency in order to move up to the fourth grade. But there's a lot of people right now who are worried about what to do with all the students who are going to potentially fail the state test due to the fact that You know, they were babies or child children of the pandemic. Sounds like a new movie by Stephen King. Um, Should a student's passing status be based on one test? You know, uh, that's a hard thing to say because even if they weren't pandemic babies, state testing is, in my opinion, a lousy way to judge a student's overall ability. Because, you know, what if they're just having a crappy day? And, you know, they don't want to do the test. So they just kind of bubble in and make designs or something. Or they're bored to death, which those tests are so boring. I don't know if you have ever looked at them, but they do not pick the most interesting things for kids to read about. And so they just stop trying. They're so bored. You know, on the other side of that, maybe if the kids knew that, and their families knew, that there were some teeth behind the test, meaning that there were consequences for failing the test. Maybe the kids would try harder or maybe the parents would take it more seriously. Maybe they would start spending more time reading to their kids and take their screens away if they knew that they were gonna have a third grader who wasn't going to be able to go on to fourth grade. You know, when you get to talking about retention, there's a lot of controversy that goes along with it. In 25 states and the District of Columbia right now, they currently have laws um, that either require or allow districts to hold back students who aren't reading proficiently at the end of third grade. The problem with this is and there's a lot of research out there that shows that this is a really important skill to have uh, by third grade because there is some research that was put out by the American Educational Resource Association um, at their convention. They said there's like a lot of warning signs that go along with this. For example, they found that a student who can't read on grade level um, by third grade is four times less likely to graduate by age 19 than a child who does read proficiently, proficiently, well, I'm having trouble with that word today, proficiently by that time. And, you know, if a student is um, at the poverty level, then it becomes 13 times less likely to graduate on time than their proficient and wealthier peer. So there's some teeth behind this idea that third grade is super important. But on the other half of this, there was a study done by um, Catherine Strunk, who works at the Michigan State University. She's a professor and she was tracking the implementation of, of this law in Michigan and came up with some things that say, here's why you should not do third grade retention. She said, when the law went, into effect in Michigan, only 1% of the students who are eligible for retention were ultimately held back. So, you know, you've got this law and it's supposed to protect kids, but they're still moving 99% of the kids forward who are not reading at grade level. She also said that the costs that go along with students repeating the grade outweigh the benefits because what are you going to do? Where are you going to put those kids? If you have all these kids who are going to not pass third grade. They have to be somewhere next year, right? They have to have another they have to have more classrooms, they're going to have to have more teachers. They're going to have to have more resources. So does that make sense? What are you going to do if you actually are going to stick to that? What are you going to do with those third graders that aren't going to go on? Another researcher at Michigan, apparently, you know, Michigan's one of the states that are looking at these laws and making them, uh, deciding whether to repeal them, Gabrielle de la Vecchia, um, she reviewed evidence from a 2018 study linking retention to higher dropout rate. And this was especially true among black and Hispanic girls. So students who had been held back in third grade had a higher uh, dropout rate later on in high school because of that. I'm sure that if you were to look at how the retention was done, you know, that would tell you something about why this is true. So here's a problem. Right now, most schools just do social promotion. That means that no matter what your kid gets, if it's all straight Fs, they're still going to the next grade. So if that's the case, then I don't even know why we're bothering to give out grades. They mean nothing. But that's the way we're doing it right now. And I know this is a problem because in the 36 years I was teaching, I had students coming into my seventh grade class who are reading at the third or fourth grade level. Uh, and they struggle, awful. And so many of those kids who are reading at that grade level have been struggling all of their elementary careers. So they have this culture of failure now. They just think school's too hard. It's too boring. And They quit. they just give up. It's like, I always fail. So why should I try? So what are we supposed to do with these kids at third grade who do not pass? Do we, do we just move them along or do we hold them back until they improve? In Tennessee, the law that they wrote has some guides in it, some aids in there for helping kids who are on, you know, in danger of failing. The idea is to allow the kids who are approaching proficiency move on. Now we're talking about these third graders this year, right? These pandemic children, shall we call them. Um, So if they're approaching it, they're not quite proficient, we'll just let them go on. They're almost there, but not quite there. So they're saying that if they score at the 50th percentile on a literacy screener test that they get to go on. Well. Right there, I have a problem with that. Like, since when is 50% good enough in school? I mean, do you want your kids to only know 50% of how to read? That makes no sense to me that you would move somebody along when they're at 50%, right? But they also say that they're going to offer these students um, opportunities to retake the test, maybe in the summer, or go to summer school, or go to tutoring. And there's also, of course, the appeals process where parents can say, my kid didn't pass. Um, I appeal, I want to appeal this. I don't think it was a, a good decision. From my experience, again, I wonder how many parents would actually take advantage of summer school or tutoring, especially if those things happen, um, the tutoring happens after or before school, right? I don't feel like very many people are going are willing to give up their summer vacation for that. And why we have summer vacation, don't get mad at me, is still another issue I have. That's for another episode. Anyways, the fear is that if you have these things and you give parents a choice, they're just going to opt just for the retention and and not do summer school or the other kinds of things to give them, to give their kids more help. So, all right, let's say you're gonna, let's say we're gonna do retention. You gotta structure that differently, right? You can't put the kid back in the same class and have them do the same things over again. It didn't work the first time. So maybe it was a teacher thing. Maybe the teacher that wasn't good for them. You know, it's it happens. We don't always get the best teachers that we click with. Some teachers we do, some teachers we don't, where it's just an individual thing, right? And also, if the materials didn't work the first time around, then maybe that needs to be different too. And Why will it work now if it didn't work the first time? I mean, what are the other issues that were keeping the child from attaining proficiency? So I'm not sure retention is the ideal answer, but there definitely needs to be some accountability for making sure that kids can read before fourth grade. There has to be something that we're doing. I think it's a crime that we're pushing students on who aren't reading or doing math even at that level and then expecting them to be successful. Okay, so how about reading summer camp or tutoring is the answer, right? Some states have students who score below expectations. They're required to participate in tutoring and summer school. Again, I don't know how you make parents do that, you know, if they've got other plans. Um, They certainly don't do it during the school year. I've had parents pull kids out of my room for lots of things like vacations or you know, to go shopping, different things. And so what's going to make them give up their summer to put their kid in, to participate in summer school or tutoring? Even, how are you going to make that mandatory, right? What are they going to, What would be the um, consequences of a parent saying, nah, we're not going to do that. And anyway, how is six weeks of summer learning camp even enough to prepare kids for the, for the demands of fourth grade? How are you going to make up an entire year of learning in six weeks? I mean, you're expecting that kid to show up every day. You're expecting that child to be engaged. You're expecting them to do work at home or practice, you know. So you can't expect a student who's two years behind to reach grade level just because they went to summer school. So again, that's kind of a crazy thing. Maybe it has to do with how we teach reading. You know, that's important. Who knew? Who knew that was important, the way you teach reading, you know? We've been doing this um, whole language and queuing now for many years, and I think we're reaping the results of that now. Now, I mean, of course, when those, um, those tactics or, or those that curriculum was presented, it seemed like a good idea. And you have to assume that people aren't purposely putting out a curriculum that is, that is detrimental to students, but we're finding out now that the way we were teaching reading apparently not working. So what do they do now? Now we're going back to phonics. You know, remember hooked on phonics? Yeah, we're going back to that. And it's called their, they've titled it now the science of reading, right? So now they're re-educating teachers they're rewriting curriculum to have the science of reading background. So maybe now if this is, we're going back to basics, right? Going back to learning phonics. Maybe now this means that we're going to see the results of that. Now the kids are going to be more successful when they get to third grade. But what if all those interventions don't work, right? Like what if you have a kid, if you have this retention law and a kid can't move on, what if they keep failing and failing and failing and failing? Is it okay for a kid, you know, to keep being in third grade? At what point are you going to move them on? I mean, Should we have a 16-year-old in primary school? I I don't know, because I'm sure there'll be situations like that. Again, it's like, how do you structure all of this? You know, so um, a lot of people believe that retention can be really good for kids. I mean, other than the people who are out there saying that it's really bad for kids because it hurts their self-esteem and it puts them behind their peers Um, and that can hurt their desire to go to school or to participate. So what are we going to do about that? But as usual, you can find research that's going to back back up just about anything. So there is research that does show that retention is beneficial. There was a Boston University working paper that showed that students who repeated third grade in 2014-15 that's without being in the pandemic, okay, had higher English language arts scores in sixth grade. They also did a recent analysis and it found out that Indiana fourth graders who repeated third grade scored higher on state math and reading tests than third graders who barely passed. Remember those people that were gonna 50% and you get to go on? Well, you're doing damage there too. So barely passing or barely proficient doesn't work either. They also said that retained students continue to outperform those who weren't retained all the way through the study at seventh grade. So those retention, those kids who were retained, it wasn't like a one and one and done thing. They kept improving all the way up through uh, seventh grade. And there's a lot of people who say, well, kids who are, you know, retained aren't going to want to go to school. So you're going to have problems with absenteeism and behavior. But this particular study said they were not more likely to have any problems. They did not see that correlation. Now, really, in my opinion, retention is going to have a far greater positive impact than moving someone along who's not ready. I mean, what are you doing to that kid? You're putting them in a situation that they can't, they can't deal with. I have to agree with the effects I've seen on students who are reading well below grade level. School is just that much harder. And when kids keep failing and failing, I just see them quit. I've seen school districts put together or put in reading interventions. My school district is is no different. They, I mean, they've they spent tons of money on a particular reading intervention. And the kids are making gains. They show that the students are making gains. But Are they making gains that transfer or are they just getting better at doing the software? Because I certainly did not see an improvement in their reading or writing in the classroom, like outside of the reading intervention class. I did not see those skills transfer. So I would need to see some data or something that showed that that was directly responsible. If we talk about retention, going back to that, what if a kid, you know, does well in math and history, but they, for some reason, they don't read well, but they're still getting good grades and are doing well in these other courses. You know, an argument, I guess you could say is that, well, they're not going to do well in those other classes because they read poorly and history and science and math even with word problems require reading. But if a student's doing well, in those other courses, should we hold them back in those classes too? Are they going to have to repeat the entire third grade, everything over again, or just reading? You know, students who lost skills during the pandemic, you know, to come back to those kids that we were talking about at the beginning, they still need to be accountable for their reading. Why would you excuse that? Why would you say, no, let's not, let's change the law. Let's, let let that law go by. Let's let these kids move on because they were in the pandemic. What are you talking about? Those kids are going to suffer the same thing as kids any other year who you pass along that did not do well. You know, you're, you're, you're assigning them the same fate of going to class and struggling over and over again. So why would you do that? I feel like having kids not go on is punishing them for a lifetime, perhaps, you know. So you do have people saying that holding kids back is punishing them for being victims of the pandemic. (laughs) Yeah, so what? Why again would you push through students who aren't ready, no matter what the cause is? What schools had was an opportunity at that time when schools started up again. They could have done, and I think Sharon said this in one of our podcasts when we talked about retention versus social promotion. Um, She said, you know, the country had a chance to do a do-over that year. Why didn't they just go, you know what? Nobody's moving on. We're going to pick up where we left off and everybody's going to stay in that grade level. And then you get rid of that whole thing about, you know, not being with your peers because everybody's going to do the do-over together. I don't know, I think that might have been a really good chance to have all of the things we learned from remote learning, the things we learned um, from how, how kids learned, you know, it, it would have been a great time to change things up. We had an opportunity to change things up and we just went back to the same old, fill in your explicative here. I wish we could do something more like, I think it's Conlab School with Saul Khan, if you've heard of him. Uh, He has a, he has a school where he's basically focused on what's called mastery learning. In other words, you don't move up by grade. So it's not based on your age, right? It's based on your knowledge. So they do away with the grades and they let kids move along in subject matters as they learn them. You know, it shouldn't matter what age you are. I don't know why we're so hung up on the age thing. Students should work at whatever level they are currently at, and they should not move on until they've mastered that subject. I mean, math, come on. Math is the same thing. One concept builds on the other next concept. And if you move kids on before they have mastered that concept, then math just becomes harder and harder and harder until the kids give up. You shouldn't be learning material that is age dependent, but it should be rather dependent on your ability to understand it. So if it takes kids 10 years to finish elementary or seven years to get through high school curriculum, you know, so be it. At least you know that the product comes out of the factory complete and it's not missing any pieces, you know. People argue that retention hurts, you know, little Bobby's self-esteem. But you know what else hurts Bobby's self-esteem? Being the only kid in the class or one of the kids in the class who doesn't get what's going on. That also hurts their self-esteem. So how does graduating students who cannot read or do basic math or have some understanding of how the world works, how does that benefit society? We're just creating a bunch of kids who don't know how to manage things because there's no consequences for not not doing what you're supposed to do. There's just no teeth behind it. So in any case, Tennessee and Michigan don't debate getting rid of your retention laws you need to keep those in place and i think something needs to be done across the nation to make sure that we are not producing generations of illiterate people because that gives people no access to their future right they can't read contracts they can't read job applications they don't understand what's happening in the world you've got to you've got to keep that up So, yes, sorry, pandemic little kids. Do good on the test. Do your best because if you don't, we love you enough that we're not going to pass you along. If you liked this conversation today, if you thought that I made some good points, I'd love to know how you feel about this issue of social promotion, especially when it comes to the pandemic babies that are coming through third grade. Now, do they deserve to be, um, held back or should they be moved on because they didn't really, you know, it wasn't their fault that they didn't learn to read properly. What do you think about this issue? Again, thanks for listening. Appreciate you. And until next time, that's the way I see it.